Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. One evening, many years ago, I noticed a dead bird by the slide on our playground. I despise dead things. I can't say this the right way to make you know how much I mean it. I think I might hate dead things the way that most people hate snakes. I don't so much mind snakes, unless they're dead. I'm sure there's some really deep-seated, highly pathological reason for this that I've blocked out, suppressed, or whatever. I mean, for the most part, I consider myself pretty healthy, but it's true that at the age of 40, I still don't want any of my food to touch, and I still break out in a shaking cold sweat upon seeing anything dead. In high school, I once ran into a brick mailbox because I didn't want to run over a squirrel. That was already dead. It wasn't that I didn't want to re-run over it as much as that it was I needed to be further away from it. And the only place to go was our neighbor's brick mailbox. My dad was pleased. And speaking of my dad, it should be pointed out that until embarrassingly late in life, I believed because my trusted parents told me that all the animals on the side of the road were just sleeping. Yeah, Santa Claus, he was a total fraud. But the raccoon? Nope, just having sweet dreams, honey, right there on the shoulder. Of course I blame them. It's my job. So the bird by our slide. I saw it and immediately started rounding up the kids to go inside. My heart started to race a little because the kids weren't moving fast enough and apparently the words panic attack don't mean anything to little kids because they were insisting on getting a closer look and looking for his mom and dad so they could break the bad news. I finally got the kids inside by saying he was probably really really sick and we didn't want to catch any of his germs. I was desperate. I needed out of there. It was either give my kids a little phobia of their own or have them watch me melt. It seemed like a wise and selfless choice at the time. The next morning, the bird was still there. And when the kids went outside to play, I thought of the bird still out there and I got a little lightheaded. So I went to go hide in my closet for a bit. When the kids came inside, Silas looked at me with his wide eyes and asked what I thought might have happened to our little bird. I shivered and said I didn't know, but that I really didn't want to talk about it. And then he said this, But Mommy, doesn't God love that bird? I told him that that was very, very true. God loves that bird very much. And then he said, but mommy, don't you love that bird? And I assured him that, yes, I also really loved the bird. And then he said, then mommy, don't you think we should take care of that bird? Silence. He continued that we should give that bird a place to rest. He said those words, to rest, when he started saying that he thought the bird looked too young to have gone through something traumatic enough to cause his death. I interrupted him to say, look, Silas, I think it's real cute that God made you all wise and stuff, but I don't so much like dead things. And I think that if I could just concentrate hard enough in prayer, that eventually our bird's birdie friends will give him the funeral he deserves and maybe miraculously a cat will make him disappear. And then I can get to quit talking about this because I don't like it. 
Silas stared at me, hung his head, and said, Okay, Mom. Dang it, dang it, dang it! Silas, I yelled. Yes, he perked up. Let's go, I said. He turned on his heel and went running for his plastic shovel. He looked like such a little man with an important job to do. And then my daughter wanted one too, so she went and got a sandcastle shovel, and together we picked a resting place and dug a hole. My first plan was to put the bird in a tampon box, but that was a better plan in theory than in practice. It required way too much handling and close-upness. So instead, I just scooped the dirt underneath him with my grown-up shovel, and I held him as far away from myself as I could. I tried to quit twice, promising Silas that Daddy would do it when he got home, but Si just encouraged me that it was just a little sick bird that God wanted us to take care of. It's just a little sick bird, Mommy, that's all. And so I did it. We did it. We buried him. My daughter insisted on naming him. Somehow they came up with the name Blue. I don't know either. The bird wasn't blue. We said a prayer. My oldest started it off with, We wish you weren't dead, little bird. But sometimes things get dead. That's not so bad. I couldn't think of a much better prayer than that one, so I just finished it by saying that we hoped that the birdie was doing all sorts of fun birdie things with Jesus and that we appreciated the way he made our house happier with his song and his beauty. And then we tied two sticks together to make a cross and called it a day. I texted Seth immediately saying I wanted an award and a medal and lots and lots of ice cream. I was proud of all of us that day. I was proud of the kids for their desire to take care of God's creation simply because God would want us to. I was touched by the depth of their concern. I went to bed that night praying for my kids to keep their soft hearts. I begged God to not let me reason it out of them. I wanted to be a good teacher, I told God. I wanted to model what true love looked like. But after watching them that day, I wasn't sure I was praying any of the right prayers. I'd lost all confidence. And so I laid there praying and praying and praying, and I realized that the world had had its way with me. And that my adult definition of love, it could not easily equate contentment with being a servant to someone else. I'm so used to loving others in return for what they can do for me, for their capacity to comfort me or charm me or serve me or affirm me. But I watched my children that day and the bird was dead. It was a lost cause, but it wasn't about the bird. It was about what God would have them do. So me, teaching them about love, that is not what has come to pass. What has come to pass is that they are the ones who have opened up my eyes to all that I need to learn about loving others wildly. They've taught me that love is most essentially a kind of service. And my children don't pretend to make it any more complicated than doing what they are supposed to do for literally the love of God. Just that. It started that day in the yard with the lost cause bird that they named Blue, simply for the love of God. Showing up, doing what they felt called to do for no other reason than compassion and for the love of God.
From the book of 2 Kings, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel together. This is my friend Rachel. We've been friends for six years. She's a deep feeler, quick to laugh with you, quick to cry with you, often in the same conversation. She follows the Holy Spirit with serious gusto and is always up for an impromptu lunch date. She and I, we walk together. It's what we do. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Allison. How are you? <laughs> um, I don't know why that first intro always makes me giggle. Um, so, Rachel, you were on last season of Center Saint Sister. Yes. And um, episode three, go check it out, Godly Identity. And um, you had a lot of emotions around being on the podcast for the first time. It was something else. You know, there is just something about when you put your the things that you've been going through or some things that you have, you know, the Lord has been teaching you and you put it out there to this faceless audience and like Satan really attacked after, after Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it, but it was so precious one, it gave me a whole new appreciation for what you do day in, day out. (laughs) And, um, I just think that you're, you know, so courageous and, you know, really seeking to please God and not people. And I think that's amazing. Um, but it really had me work through, um, you know, like kind of maybe walk out what I had just talked out. So yeah, that was cool. I like yeah. <laughs> well, it's not easy for me either. Yeah. Um, because it is a faceless, uh-huh. you know, it's one thing to sit across the table from a friend mm-hmm. and be able to kind of see in their eyes if they've taken something wrong <laughs> sure. or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you don't know. I mean, yeah. you don't know. Is there, did I offend anyone? Right. Um, and so you really do just have to, um, I, I, I like the word courage, you know, just have courage, but also kind of trust the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. My intentions are pure. I'm, That's right. I'm, and you have actually given me this freedom a lot of times. Um, you're not going to do this perfectly. Right. You're not. Right. But, um, <clears throat> you know, there's not a lot we can do about that. I'm not, And if I insist on excellence, mm-hmm. it's going to keep me from so many of the things that I'm passionate about. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, this and God just has to remind me this over and over and over. Like we are here to please him, mm-hmm. you know, that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll take care of the rest. And, you know, some people are going to get us and some people aren't. And some people, you know, are going to be like, oh, bless your heart. You know, yes. <laughs> like those are the ones that really kind of get me up at night, too. <laughs> oh, goodness. So anyway, and just really just being OK with um, where we all are on our journey. Mm. And um, I love being challenged and um, by other people. And, you know, anyway, and we can just trust trust God to to do what he needs, only he can do. Well, I'm glad you're back. Yes. I'm glad you put all of that behind you and have agreed to come on again. Because, Well, not only because you're one of my favorite friends, mm-hmm. um, but also because you have recently left a small world and made it bigger. Mm-hmm. You have recently um, deepened your faith. Sure. Uh, not that it was once shallow, mm-hmm. but um, or maybe you have... Uh, put another way, you've kind of unisolated your family mm-hmm. um, and you have stepped outside of a comfortable life and you have decided to foster. We did it. You did it. We're doing it. And so you kind of step out of these homogenous relationships and insert mm-hmm. yourself um, into, a, in a lot of ways, a whole new world. Yeah. Um, you know, you start praying with many more people in mind. 
So tell us about your uh, foster journey and sure. what it is that made you decide to do that. So, you know, it's it's just such a process. And as we're like sitting here, you know, we're two years into our foster care journey. And I look back and I can just think of the zillion ways that I had no idea at the time, but that were preparing us for this right here. Like for mm-hmm. these things that we're walking through for these hard times, not only are they preparing us for what's next, but you, it's very easy to look back and see like how we were prepared for. He was going before you. Yes. So um, I think, you know, we, Larry and I, my husband came to this point where we were praying about our family. Like we had two beautiful, amazing biological children. Um, God was working and moving and growing our lives. And we're just kind of looking at ourselves like, okay, you know, we're kind of getting out of the diaper phase. Like, are we done? Or do we want to, you know, go for another, you know, member of our family? Like, is our family complete yet? Right. And um, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot in here. I had really hard pregnancies. I was like, I don't know if this is really, um, you know, if, if I really want to go down that road again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we were just really praying about our life. And I remember one night, it was, a, you know, one of those special uh, holy nights where you just can't sleep. And it felt like I was having a dialogue with the creator himself. And mm. it was just really special. I felt like I was like asking questions and getting answers. And, and, mm. and through that and through a bunch of confirmations that night, um, I was like, I think we're supposed to adopt. I think mm. we're supposed to adopt a child. Like the mm-hmm. Lord was just bringing me to some scriptures. Mm-hmm. I would like get on Facebook, you know, because that's what you do in the middle of the Of course, <laughs> yes. Sleep. And um, God uses Facebook too. He can. <laughs> he can. He can redeem it all. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, the Bible verse that I just read about, you know, true and proper worship of taking care of the orphans and widows was like the first thing I see. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Of so course. I waited to the most appropriate, you know, like, hour that I, you know, could, could, could wait to. And I turned over to my husband and I was like, I know how many kids we're supposed to have. And he was like, Oh no, like she's going to say 12 or something. You know, she about to say, because (laughs) truly there's no telling with you, Rachel. Bless these men. I just, they are special. Um, and have so much grace for us. But, um, and I was just like, I, we're supposed to have another child one more, but they're supposed to come through adoption. And I think he was just so relieved that I hadn't said 12 and we're moving to Kenya to start an orphanage. You know, he was right. just like, great. And, okay. oh, and, you're, yes. and you're not getting pregnant again. Perfect. Like, even better. <laughs> I, I'm not sure who the pregnancies were. Another family on. isn't moving in. <laughs> like, we're okay. Okay. Yes, right. <laughs> oh, goodness. So anyway, so that is when I started um, just kind of like seeking the Lord. And a few months went by and, you know, like there was no like – you know, nothing, no heaven and earth and move. But so I just was like, I was like, Lord, like you called me to this. Like, what's the next step? <clears throat> and I kid you not, like I was at work and um, I walk upstairs and meet someone and they start telling me about, I mean, total strangers start telling me about foster care. Mm. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. You know, like I, we want to adopt. And, and then, I mean, like we just couldn't turn around the corner without someone bringing up foster care. So mm. with the same agency, even like, you know, right. you know, our town, yes. it's a small community, but yeah. there's a, this is this little foster agency. And, you know, I mean, we would like go to a football game and it would come up with this eight and it was like, okay, well, like I think yes. we just did. So we started. Isn't that so kind of him when mm-hmm. to be clear? Yes. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, so many things are unclear. 
And yet, so the moments when, you know, we, because thy word is a lamp into my feet. Mm -hmm. It's like only the small little bit is lit up, but the rest of the journey, I mean, I have to keep looking over my shoulder for that Mm -hmm. and this, this constant check-in. So when thy word is a lamp into my feet and Mm -hmm. that's crystal clear right now, that is such a sweet consolation. And it is so important because I remember that it, because, you know, just like when you're pregnant, or adopting people will come out of the woodworks with their horror stories about what you're going through, of right? Co- yes. <laughs> Why do we do that? I don't know, but it never fails. But it was so neat because I had so much confirmation. Um, Priscilla Schreier calls it the mercy of confirmation. I had so mm. much mercy in his confirmation mm-hmm. that it was scarier not to obey him. Yes. Then it was a matter of whatever obedience. this scary story that you told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's scary. I don't even really know who God is in these situations that you're telling me about. I don't know, right. but I, but not obeying what I know we're being called to is yes. scarier. Yes. So, you know, you kind of don't have a choice, but right. to, you know, right. move forward. So. Yeah. I mean, is, is God is who he says he is or not. Yeah. And so if you if your answer to that is well yes, mm-hmm. I I believe do you, do we believe that God is real or not? Mm-hmm. If the answer to that is yes, well, then I have to do what he tells yes. me and he's been so clear. I know. And you know and that it can be just that simple sometimes. That question <clears throat> though, I mean, you would think that you could check that off the list mm-hmm. at some point. Sure. And you know, through foster care that has just come up over and over Mm -hmm. and you know I guess I'm a slow learner but you know you're just confronted with all these hard things and it's just like is he only good so speaking of thy word is a lamp into my Mm -hmm. feet and and we don't get to see the rest of this journey Mm -hmm. would you say that because adoption has a clear ending right right Right. I mean and and not that there's not struggles and sure I mean it it, it's a it's a different animal Mm -hmm. um and so in foster care, that journey isn't lit up the whole way. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that is one of the hardest parts? Tell De- me about that. Definitely. You know, um, I always say foster care will take the illusion of control completely out of your life. Mm. You know, you think like your biological kids are your kids. It's just, they're not, it's not true. Like they're the Lord's and yes. I am no more promised another day with them than I am mm-hmm. our foster son that we've mm-hmm. had for two years. Um, and you know, that has just been such a refining, refining journey. And it just takes a lot of those conversations. Like, you know, when I'm faced with my heartbreak or this child's heartbreak or his parents' heartbreak or his, you know, whatever, you know, I just have to trust that, you know, I have to come back to that. Is God only good? Yeah. And he is, he is, he is. Is he is he is and um, and his ways are not my ways and mm-hmm. my fairy tale view of what would would be the best thing that you know to turn out you know it may not happen but it's because he is good yeah. and we would be hoping for and praying for whatever the solution was if we knew, if we could see everything like he sees it right 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 um you know there's there's such a lesson in and control, the lack of control, and this complete surrender, because um, you cannot control this. So the real question is, are you okay mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> not not controlling this? I think it, it, you know, I it reminds me of Abram, who was asked to go to this land that he did not know. Mm-hmm. And God says, move. Mm-hmm. He says, move. Mm-hmm. And, and Abram says, okay. Right. And he asks where, and God mm-hmm. says, don't worry about that part yet. Right? <laughs> right. And so when I, I think about that part, you know, 
I, when I think about that, the real question is, are you willing to move? Right. And so you take a step Mm -hmm. and then that next little path gets lit up. And I don't know anyone mm -hmm. who's like strutting down the path that's in foster care or adoption. We're all kind of limping along (laughs) in in one way or another, but we're invited on a journey. Yes. It's so humbling. And like I said, like I would love to be able to check the character of God off my list, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like you struggle with this flesh that, you know, wants to control, wants to know, wants to, you know, you know, achieve an outcome and, um, you can't, you have to surrender it and, um, and trust that, um, that you're, that it matters, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, and you know, it's like, we have one particular story there. There's just so many different levels of surrender. It's all comes out of surrender, but there's just so many different levels of it in foster care and so many different ways. Like you just, there's no real, real like prepping for it. It's like, I need you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I need your Mm -hmm. wisdom. Mm -hmm. I need your guidance. I need you to refine, you know, my heart, purify my heart. Like, let me see this, how you see this. Yeah. Um, but leaving the land of certainty, mm-hmm. I think, is something that really holds people back mm-hmm. from doing this, what could very easily with earthly eyes be characterized as crazy. Sure. This is crazy. Sure. Um, I, As I was kind of thinking through this episode, I was thinking of, um, you know, another, not only do we not know it's going to turn out okay, mm-hmm. because there's the what ifs, right? Sure. I mean, do you, do you get bombarded with that a lot with like the fleshly part of us of what if? I know I have, I answered that. I mean, it's like the second question that people ask, um, you know, the first question is like, maybe they see that there's something a little bit different about my family. And the second question, as soon as they find, you know, find out that we're, that we're fostering is, um, are you going to adopt? And, you know, it's just. I totally get the question. Um, People like to know how things end. Yes. I mean, and I really do think, you know, we have so much provision to walk what we're walking through. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could just tell you, it would just take hours to tell you in all the ways that the Lord has reassured us brought the right people, you know, given us a peace, given us supernatural love for people that we mm-hmm. shouldn't really love. <laughs> Which really, let's be honest, like if yeah. we had any sense of self-preservation whatsoever, they would be the enemy. And God has said, no, like you're going to love them because mm-hmm. I love them. Mm-hmm. And, um, but not, you know, I think it's harder for our close friends and family because they don't necessarily have the same provision that we do. And they're wrestling through their own what is because they don't want to see us get hurt. Of course, They love this little boy and they, you know, know, you know, they want him to be in the best situation he can be. And, yeah. and it's just been, you know, I get the question, but it's, I, I just don't know. You know, we, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, mm-hmm. but in, on what is unseen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you've said this to me in conversation before, but, um, as we were kind of talking about the, what ifs, Mm -hmm. you know, what if this breaks your heart and, um, your answer to that, you know, I think you had mentioned it like in a sentence, you know, and then, you know, there's the what ifs and you kind of went on to something Mm -hmm. else. And I was like, but no, wait, what if, (laughs) and your answer, it was quick and it was solid and it Mm -hmm. was even if, yeah, even if yes talk about that for i you know and this is goes back to the preparation that the lord has done in my heart you know i've had to wrestle through other people's suffering a little bit you know like not in the same way obviously that they did but you know god kind of put us um 
and tangent to some people going through some really hard suffering. And, you know, you have to kind of wrestle through like, okay, God, like, who are you in this? And I'm not saying that I have all the answers because there is just the mystery of knowing Jesus through suffering. I, I don't know. I don't understand it all. I don't understand why. I do think that when you go through hard things that you can know Jesus in a way that you would not be able to know mm-hmm. him otherwise. Right. Um, you know, but, um, you know, when I wrestled through the what ifs, okay, because I can think of a whole lot of worse things than happening than my heart be broken, mm-hmm. you know, just as a mother, just knowing these the uncertainties, you know, things that actually do happen, mm-hmm. you know, you, I mean, we've all heard those horrible stories that everyone told me mm-hmm. <laughs> in the beginning, like those happened. Mm-hmm. And I just came to the Lord brought me to um, some conclusions about him and they do require a leap of faith, a step of faith, mm-hmm. I mean, a leap, a step of faith. <laughs> One, God is only good. He, that is just has to be the foundation. And if he is only good, you know, then whatever the worst thing that I can possibly imagine, whatever it is, it must, heaven and and communion with him must be so great that no matter the worst thing that I can have, that I can imagine is light and momentary struggle. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I cannot wrap my I can't even wrap my mind around that yeah it's just um and I don't understand it but that's my piece is that you know it's worth it the way of our culture wants a success story Mm -hmm. and so the way I want to see goals I want to (laughs) see things happen (laughs) but we really kind of stress this happy ending Mm -hmm. we're we're and and so I I when I read this somewhere and I thought it was very beautiful, but it's not well done, my good and successful servant. Right. And so you've been faithful mm-hmm. um, throughout this journey that he's got this, that you are a small part in a much bigger story. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've been, yes, we've been pulled out of our normal. Right. Um, we've been pulled out of our story, but you've been invited to enter into another to perhaps create something new. Yeah. And that takes faithfulness and obedience. Well, which is so hard because really quick, you know, I was so adoption minded when mm. we first um, got this precious boy. I went into full on mama bear mode. I mean, it was spiritual warfare, even him to get into my house. And yes. so once he got there, I'm just like, you know, you were under our spiritual authority now. And we were just like, you know, praying for like, you know, his little heart. We were praying for his family, um, you know, even b- that we didn't even know who they were. Mm-hmm. But and, and then I get this little boy and I go into full mama bear mode and, you know, we're going to protect him and love him. And I was so adoption minded. I had so many misconceptions coming up, coming into foster care because of the privilege I have to been, have been grown up, loved and safe. Mm -hmm. It is such a privilege that not Mm -hmm. everyone has. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so my very naive, very limited perspective for a child to be in foster care that they have to be either unloved or unwanted or a combination of both. And it's just, couldn't be further from the truth. It's I had the exact same humbling realization mm-hmm. um, concerning adoption. Mm-hmm. I we went into adoption. And we were like, all we want is an unwanted child. Okay, well that means this. That mm-hmm. means this child left in this place. That woman would have cared for that baby if she yeah. could have. Yes. 
So privilege, yes. Go yes. ahead. So, you know, I mean, I was so just unbelievably naive about that and um, very quickly into it. Uh, and it was easy to pray those prayers during that time. And then we met his parents who were, who are still children. And, um, you know, and everything for me shifted. Mm-hmm. In the most beautiful way. I mean, God gave us a supernatural love for these people. Um, and, you know, and that's been the hardest thing as far as results. Because my because once he finally got rid of that yucky, ucky, right. someone's got to win here. It's either they win or we win. Once we wrestled through that, yeah. it was like, okay, well, I'm just sold out for them knowing you. Yes. And right. that has been the goal-oriented thing. I mean, sure. Like, I mean, trust me, I want this boy in our you – know, I would <laughs> yes, love to adopt him. Yes, and if that's yes. – but I – God has had me sell out for them to know him yeah. and it, you know – yeah. Your world it's is a bigger. Process. Your yeah. world is bigger. You're loving them. You're, you know, we have this Jesus, you know, stepped down into mm-hmm. our stories and we have an opportunity to crawl into another's story and, and kind of point them to a savior. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't bring this heartbreak into your home and not have your heartbreak. Uh-huh. And so your heart has broken, not just for him, mm-hmm. but for them. Yeah. And I say this all the time. I feel like it comes up in every episode, but I, we have a tendency to think that um, easy means good mm-hmm. and hard means bad. Yeah. And so we isolate ourselves um, from problems or from discomfort. Sure. And this is, you know, such a bold step, you know, right into the middle of it. And if if the object if the goal of life is to live without your heart being broken right how's that working for you i mean we're all getting our hearts broken right yes <laughs> we might and as well have our heart mm-hmm. broken living for the lord yeah you know um living out of obedience or trying out something holy sure. um so in that i feel like our you know, your eyes are really open in that stepping out, that bold step. Our eyes are really opened right. to what our idols are. Sure. Um, and then there's this whole thing of, of having like a family. I mean, you are you are one with your husband. Right. So you can have these dreams, these convictions, these, these eye-opening um, visions in the middle of the night, right. what have you, and yet you're one with this person. How... How does that, how do you stay on board with your husband? Tell me a little bit about You know, that. it's so interesting because, you know, whenever I talk to women that, you know, about foster care, one of the first thing they say is like, I really have a stirring for that. Um, and then two things come up. Either um, one, they're like, but my husband is, isn't on board yet. Mm-hmm. Or like, what about my kids? Yes. And I'm like, been their sister. Mm-hmm. I think that the other night that I stayed up all night, so there was the night that I felt like I got this vision from the Lord about, you know, what we were being called to do. And the other night is when we decided to do it. And I was struck in fear all night long. Mm-hmm. And I just sat in fear and started going through the what ifs, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and that's part of the even ifs. But, um, you know, my kid, like, you know, the safety around my kids and, you, you know, that somehow 
exposing them in this way. And of course you have to use discernment with your children, but that, you know, that what was I going to do if they got their hearts broken? Mm-hmm. Um, what was I, what was I going to do if, you know, um, they were in an unsafe situation mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I will tell you before I, I talk about the husband thing, I will tell you my kids have taught me so much about love. Mm-hmm. You know, they um, know um, the bio family a little bit and I follow their, I mean, sometimes I follow their lead in love. I mean, there's just something about children that breaks down walls. I mean, they'll mm-hmm. run up and hug. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there's sweet little prayers when they pray um, for redemption and for wholeness and healing. I'm like, I don't know that I can say these words, Lord, but whatever they mm-hmm. said, you know, when I'm struggling with my heart, I'm like, yes, Lord, like, mm-hmm. let us be like little children yes. who only, yes. you know, only long for wholeness. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, hold on. Before you segue. Yes. Um, so you, I was worried about this going into adoption and adopting um, a child with a disability. I was, is he going to, it's one thing to sign up to rip your own heart out. Right. It's another thing to sign your family up to potentially have your kids hearts ripped out. And so is he going to die before us? Right. Is he, um, mm-hmm. it, are medical appointments going to rule our lives? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be resentful about, you know, this new pace? Mm-hmm. And you looked me dead in the eye and you were like, Allison, and this came from wisdom that you got that night in prayer. Yes. <laughs> but um, you looked me dead in the eye and said, if the Lord has called you to this, he's called them to this too. And then you followed it up with, you have no idea who they are going to grow up to be because he was their brother. That's right. And it was, that was all, that was it. That was mm-hmm. all I needed to hear. It, and and it really set the stage yes. in a lot of ways because you are right. I follow their lead. Uh-huh. Not just like, oh, get some ideas or <laughs> or look at them for inspiration. Mm-hmm. I follow their lead. Let the little children lead. They yes. are they are wonderful. They are a million times better at this than yes. I am. Yes, yes. No, it really is absolutely um precious and incredible. And um, you know, it, it's true. Like, you know, when you're talking about like we think that bad thing, you know, hard things are bad, you know, we are God is discipling our children and of course, I mean, and, and us obviously. And so, you know, we're being discipled together for whatever his purposes are. And, you know, when things get tricky and things get messy, it's like, you know, I don't know, Lord, but I know you're going to use this. Yeah. You're going to use this. It's important to me to teach my kids to be compassionate people. Right. <laughs> and there's no more hands-on way to do that than, um, Bring them in your front door, <laughs> in their in, in their bedroom, yes. and, and like their teeth teeth next to that person. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, but just teaching them to have eyes mm-hmm. um, for people, totally for everybody. Yes, for people. Yes, I mean, you know, just yes, just having the experiences, knowing that. Um, you know, I hate that my kids know that, mm-hmm. you know, there's things in this world that could separate a parent from their kids. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want them to worry about that, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, like how much more compassionate does that make them knowing that reality, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
to different situations that they come in contact with. Yeah. And, you know, we've just got to trust that God, you know, like, like, you know, that the Holy Spirit said through, through me, like, you know, if he's calling you, he's calling your whole family and yeah. you're not doing this to, to them. You're, um, you know, you're shepherding them through it. Yeah. Another thing that the Holy Spirit said through you, um, to me once was, I'm, I don't want to shelter my kids from the world. I want to shepherd them through it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've, I've hung on to that too, because everything that they come into contact with and we come, there's not a lot we don't talk about mm-hmm. here. I'd probably get some raised eyebrows, on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really just a new way to talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's just a new, and this is like such an important way <laughs> yeah, to talk about Jesus. Okay. Tell us about your sweet husband, the husband thing. So it's because it is, you're right. It comes up all the time. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one, I really tried to incur, and I'm going to use some broad generalizations here. It's okay. I believe. Thank you. We know your heart. Yes. <laughs> There's gonna be someone here that judges Someone's me. So but, mad. <laughs> someone's so, so mad. mad right now. But um, like, that's not my experience. Mm-hmm. You're right. But um, in in general, I really do think women have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and I do think that it is a beautiful part of marriage between a husband yes. and a wife. The women always knew things first. They did. The women always knew things first. I think fun. that's okay. Yes. God is fun. <laughs> God is fun. Yes. And, you know, and, you know, like, um, just the dynamic between men and women, because we have, we're, we're, uh, we're, you know, counterparts to one another and together in marriage, we are a reflection of, you know, of, so good. of God. And, um, you know, but I do think it's really an, an, a sweet, um, thing that, and, and an important thing to know that, that God does sometimes speak through the Holy Spirit to women Mm -hmm. in in a unique way. And so I tell them, this is totally normal. And you pray and, you know, talk about and, um, you know, open that discussion. Because trust me, you do not want to go somewhere, especially down this road. It is too hard to not be unified. Mm -hmm. And I will say that our marriage is better than it's ever been mm-hmm. because we are fighting for something together. Mm. And um, so there's just a ton of, of, of benefit and richness around it. Um, but trust me, you don't want to go. Yeah. Um, you want them to have the same kind of confirmation because there's going to be, there's going to get to be a part, several parts that you're going to be like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And if you don't and have like, yeah. I know that we're supposed to be here, right. then all of those other things, you know, it's too easy for Satan to unravel those absolutely, and, and, and introduce worry and anxiety right. and fear and regret. So what did you do? Did you pray for him? Did you, yeah. what happened? So, um, you know, I, I told him, you know, cause he was kind of like, Ooh, that sounds messy, <laughs> you know? And like, indeed <laughs> we aren't really like nailing it with the two that we have. Like, you of know, <laughs> like, what are we thinking? Let's even? upend our lives i have an idea <laughs> you know it's like you know can we really like we, i don't even know that our kids who don't come from a traumatic situation like that we're really you know not on the park and then like you know who are we to to parent this this person that does for sure come from a traumatic situation anyway and i'm like you know what larry if he said it to me and and i think this is what he's gonna say it to you too 
And so he started praying about it and God did. He, Mm. you know, he came and he met him and he was like, I mean, and he was in some of those conversations where we couldn't get away. And he's like, you're right. Like this, this is crazy. This is crazy. So. Okay. Two things. Number one, advice for people who feel a tug. Mm -hmm. And then number two, advice for people who don't feel a tug. Yes. (laughs) Well. So number one, advice. Number one, if you are feeling a tug for foster care, um, you know, really seeking the Lord, because I don't know how people do this without confirmation that they know. I mean, I know that I know that I know. And like, you know, you know what it is, you know, like ask the Lord to reveal, like, is my hesitate, what is my hesitations? And and what, like, are there some things that need to be healed before I step forward? Or mm-hmm. is this discernment that my heart is outrunning, like the call on my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, really praying, um, you know, there, we in this community have, a community of foster families, you know, getting to know, we spoke to a lot of, of people mm-hmm. and really, you know, asked them their experiences. We, you know, we sought wise counsel. We, you know, tried to kind of have um, some connection with people and, um, you know, having a group of people around you is just really, really important. Mm-hmm. So that would be my way. Um, the other thing, you know, in hearing your story, you, you felt this call, you started praying and then you're kind of owl eyed looking around for mm-hmm. how the Lord might be moving, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a keen awareness, yes. you know, as you go about your days in prayer. And he's so good, yeah. y'all. I mean, you, you know, like he just brings these people at the, I mean, the provision is unreal. Yeah, It's unreal. Okay. Advice for people who don't feel a call. How can we be a better church to those who do? Well, first of all, release, you know, that um, that we all have hard things that we are called to do and they don't necessarily look the same. So, you know, anyone that's like, Eek, like I don't feel that at all, like release, you know, the, there is nothing extra holy about this. You know, we are all called to something and I wouldn't want you to miss all that God has for you in your calling to do something that you think may be the right thing to do. So first of all, release. Um, second of all, you know, like we just really needed people to um, give grace to us mm-hmm. as we were making transition and love us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are on, you know, I mean, and different foster families like you know, we have a pretty mild situation. We're not going to lots of doctor's appointments yeah. or, you know, having lots of issues, you know, but there are some that are. And like, I mean, just to, you know, become like certified to babysit because that is just like yes, insane right. to find a babysitter because they have to be certified. Mm-hmm. And that was the big life change for us is we were used to like, kind of like just calling somebody sure. up or having like a list and in any way. And then that list got like way smaller. Yeah. And so just, you know, a lot of our close friends got certified. So, you know, they, I could just go drop them off and, That's you know, amazing. take some time. That's huge. Yeah. But, you know, I think that, you know, we can all honor each other in the hard things that we're doing mm-hmm. and, um, and looking for ways to bless and to have community and come around one another and just let people vent sometimes. Yes. And giving what you do have to offer credit. Mm-hmm. Let's, I like the first part of your, I feel like 
this is a Holy Spirit moment. The mm. first part of your advice is release. Mm-hmm. Let's not feel bad. Let's not compare. Right. Let, you know, and then embracing what you do have. Mm-hmm. I ha- we have a family who, and I, you know, they have they have two kids, mm-hmm. and we have five, and they might feel like they're dabbling in parenthood because of it, and they're certainly not. Right. They are not. Right. <laughs> there was nothing about having one kid that felt easy. Oh my. <laughs> Right. It's all it's always been hard. But yeah. they they have surrounded us but just little things by mm-hmm. giving us the kids their kids' old shoes that uh-huh. are in perfect condition because you know, it matters. Right. It it, it, it matters to us. They um give my oldest rides. Yes. You know, it matters. So thank you for these small ways that we feel supported. Yes. It's just so nice to not feel alone with this thing that we're carrying yes. and if we could all offer that to each other. Yes. God, yeah. uh, we just, he just really designed all of this to be done in community mm-hmm. and working together. And, you know, Satan would love nothing more than to have us feel isolated or have us feel like we were carrying the burden. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and this kind of also reflects on, on us too. Like we need to be willing to let people in yes. and help. Amen. And because that's part of it too, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. we need the ever present realization that we, the calls of God on our life are way too big for us to carry. Mm-hmm. And we have got in, you know, in allowing people, the humility of allowing people to come in and help in whatever way is part of that. And I'm preaching to myself because mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to inconvenience them. And it's like, no, like I can't do this by myself. Yeah. I feel like so many, of my lessons in life are about getting over myself. And I have never had a faster <laughs> crash course <laughs> than this, um, you know, ad- adoption journey yes. and, and releasing control and um, entering into someone else's broker, broken story. It's something else like, you know, you think you're you think you're selfish when you get married and you're like, yeah, I definitely was. Mm-hmm. And and then you get a whole new revelation of your, of your uh, selfishness when you, um, have kids mm-hmm. and then you know it's like the, you know it's got it has like I'm just not done yet I'm, like yeah. deeper still my We're little friend up the ante year after <laughs> deeper year deeper still <laughs> oh well I love you friend you are living you out the gospel in a stunningly beautiful way and I'm so honored that I get to watch you do it and walk alongside you and call you my friend and sister thank you Allison. I love you Now, a word from our sponsors, Miles of Grace Realty. Are you buying a home, selling your home, or investing in real estate? Jenny Murphy with Miles of Grace Realty does more than get the job done for a great price. With her experience, attention to detail, and genuine passion for helping others, you will see that Miles of Grace Realty really does go the extra mile. Here's a review from a pleased client. We cannot say enough good things about Jenny Murphy at Miles of Grace. She was literally an answer to our prayers. She led us through the complicated maze that is real estate and even prayed with us along the way. She has been such a blessing to our family and we would recommend her services to anyone. That's Miles of Grace Realty, 979-229-5541, www.milesofgracerealty.com. And Empower Fitness. Empower Fitness is a functional fitness gym that teaches people how to move properly and encourages and inspires and motivates its members to reach any goal they set their minds to exciting classes in a supportive environment. You can even come and do yoga with yours truly. Check out their website at www.empowerfitness.org for more information. My 
best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Beefy, beefy, beef, beef. Buenos. So, you foster, I just love your family and your heart and y'all's openness and your gifts of hospitality, but as generous and as much as you act with loving kindness, what are things that make you um, kind of stiffen when people ask you? Um, I think the hardest one for me today is, that's your foster daughter? Yes. Oh, you're planning to adopt her? And then I say no very quickly and decisively, and their expression is, and then um, they, I say, like, our current foster daughter, her mother's incarcerated, she will get out, um, you know, at some point, and the plan is for them to be reconciled, and that, is, that absolutely will happen, um, unless something crazy happens, which is always possible, but it is very, very likely, and that is what we're, we're praying for. And then they say, I could never do that which also feels judgmental because because they say I would I could never do that I would get too attached I just love babies so much and I just you know you I would just fall in love I would just fall in love um and so I've gotten to a place where I can say we do too and um or are you worried that you're gonna get attached and I say we did within hours of her coming to our house um, and then there's a shift in their face and I can maybe, if I have the emotional energy, talk about that a little bit more. Um, but I think, um, and, and, I don't, and no one has bad intentions. No one really is meaning that they think I'm a jerk or that I don't have a, the capacity to love or that I have this ability to like wall myself off from loving a baby that I have cared for forever. Um, but it definitely feels like that, especially when you're tired or well, overwhelmed with life. See, you're nicer than me. When people annoy you, <laughs> I don't know, it makes me a little fiercer because all I see is this thinly veiled accusation yeah. that you're like this cold reptile in winter with right. no heart. And they are just so tender hearted. Right. Um, but, you know, I, you know, when people say, oh, I would get so attached. Good. Yeah. That's what these babies need. Right. That is, that's exactly but what I what I try to go back to because people very very close to me that have the best of intentions for me and my family and our foster kids say these things and I have to remember that we have gone through a tremendous amount of training and so we have a lot of tools and mm -hmm. a lot of resources to help us so no you couldn't I wouldn't recommend it without those things and so the people that are asking me those questions don't have those tools and so that's something that I also try to work in is how supported we are and how empowered we are by our agency yeah um, I, you know not only are you caring for these kids but you're caring for people who need to know more right. which is very generous of you but Thank Mike you. actually your husband had a, a beautiful answer and, and I think it was um, you know, it was in public and, you know, someone said, um, I could never do that. And he just put it plainly that her comfort's more important than mine. Yeah. And he was explaining that he has everything he needs and this mm -hmm. baby doesn't. If that's not land on your life for your mm -hmm. friend, I don't know what it is. It's so beautiful. He's, he's such a good foster daddy. But, um, I think too, like we've kind of grown into some of that language. Like honestly, at the very beginning, 
I've been doing this two years almost. Um, at the very beginning when we had our first baby, I like couldn't figure out which way was up for a while. And so I could only take care of my biological kids and this new baby. And I did not have the emotional capacity to teach you and mm. to take that part of the call. Like it, and, but now I feel like it's expanded. And so we are better able to, um, talk to people about what we're doing and help them understand if they want to understand and answer those questions. Um, but before, I mean, it was just also new that I, I can remember saying to you, like, I'm just trying to like get by each day by myself. Like I cannot take on your questions right now. And I'm so sorry about that, but really I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm tired. <laughs> um, okay. So our listener asks, is it difficult or how difficult is it to navigate a relationship with a biological parent? Well, our experience is that you don't have to. Um, our first baby, we did visits um, with the family at the CPS office, but there was definitely a way that would have been completely fine for us to not cross paths. Um, but you, my beefy beef, were the one that encouraged me to think about them and to empathize with them and to develop a relationship with them um, very wisely and compassionately thinking about the bigger picture um, and that there was an opportunity to love more than just that baby but her family um, and so that I, I wasn't even open to that possibility I think part of it was just the newness of everything else but it just it's not something that's talked about it a lot it's not something that's encouraged because it, it can be risky and it can go wrong deeply but um yes but you encouraged me to do that and so we did and I'm so so grateful because now that baby is um with her family um not her parents but other family and we have a relationship with that family and we still get to see her um she's called us in an emergency before and we've been able to help Amen. um but we are for her and we try to tell her that all the time that we want to help her in any way that we can whether it's with babysitting or um helping with clothes or whatever um and that has been such a different level of this experience because we come from two totally different worlds mm -hmm. and we are learning how to um, interact and how to trust each other and that's on both sides of it because she um, has taught me so much and I'm so grateful that she um this is the grandmother has allowed us to stay in our first foster daughter's life um it's inappropriate of you to give me credit no, for not. um you know for persuading you that way I I saw a family do it we were friends with a family who be basically became mentors to this child's biological parents and um it's a beautiful thing because you know, they are struggling with things that, that, that those people weren't struggling with. Um, there were addictions and poverty and, and so they could call them in a pinch and, mm -hmm. um, this family was happy to help out. And so they've become a scaffold. Um, you know, if y'all are having, um, a heated fight, call us, we'll come, right. we'll happily come get him. Right. And so you really get to work as a team and provide support where there might not be any. Um, right. There's just so many stereotypes that I think you have to course. be brave enough to yes. get through. And it's just like anything in life, right? Like the foster system, the CPS child, the family that is doing something so terrible that they, the state does not let them keep their child. Like there's so much judgment. But once there's a 
face and a name and experiences that you are seeing firsthand it's just um it just obviously makes all the difference in the world and all of a sudden it doesn't matter about stereotypes it doesn't matter about the system it matters about that little person and that family um, and figuring it out with them yeah our natural inclination is to avoid uncomfortable things right yeah <laughs> but god wants us needy and our lives are about what he wants us to do we're trying love you beef smoochie poochie Lubella is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened. And now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubella win the internet day after day. I was at a morning meeting when my phone rang with a number I did not recognize. I ignored it, but it rang again. At the third time, I answered crazy annoyed and said, hello? Bluebell, I realized it was my six-year-old goddaughter, Avalyn. Avi, is everything okay? Avalyn said, No, Sean forgot his pajamas. What? I asked. Sean, he forgot his pajamas, Avalyn answered. It's pajama day at camp, and he forgot his, and he is so sad. Me, Avalyn, how did you even get a phone to call me? She answered, I told the teacher was important, and Mama and Papa didn't answer. I suddenly remembered I was their emergency contact. Avalyn continued, Sean needs pajamas. I tried to give him mine, but he doesn't want them because they are pink. I made a mental note to remind her to never take off her clothes for a boy. Avalyn asked, Lubell, can you bring Sean pajamas? Oh, Avi, I think Sean will be fine without pajamas. Avalyn was so sad. He is the only one here without them, and he feels left out. I felt like that once, and it made a piece of my heart lonely. I don't want Sean to feel that way. Lubell, can you bring him pajamas? Yes. Yes, I can. So I got in my car to drive to Target to buy a boy named Sean pajamas and trek out to Cyprus because I never in a million billion years want my goddaughter to lose the incredibly passionate part of her that needs more than anything to have everyone around her feel included. I got stopped in my tracks when my cousin, her dad, told me I was psycho to even consider doing this. And after I made him promise to get Sean pajamas, I went back to my office. I just now got a call from Avalyn. I told her, Avi, I'm sorry I couldn't help you out. Avalyn said, but you did. I told everyone, Lubell will save the day. I giggled. Actually, you did. Avalyn said, no, it's just that everyone should have pajamas on pajama day. No one should be alone. You know what I mean? I told her, I know exactly what you mean. Avalyn said, that's why I called you. I knew you would. Lord, take me now. I did good. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated 
as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. I didn't grow up in one house. I grew up in many houses. I really can't even count. In one of the houses, I was supposed to be there for six days, but I stayed two years. Most of the people I lived with I can't remember clearly. I don't think it's because they were forgettable. I think there was something wrong with my brain. One little girl I lived with, my foster sister, I guess, but I never really called her that, was really nice to me. We stayed friends for a long time, even after I left, but until I moved once without a way to tell her and somehow lost a way to get in touch with her. I don't know how I did that. She was important to me. Maybe the problem was my brain. How has my past affected me today? Could I ever know? I just know the problem has never been my heart. I'm not so sure about my brain, but my heart, that part works just fine. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Dear God, together we pray for children entering foster care today. We lift our voices and our hearts and we cry out for them to find kind and safe and loving homes until their families are able to care for them. We pray that siblings stay together, God. We pray in Jesus' name for your intervention to heal families who might be struggling with substance abuse or mental illness, a host of other ills. We pray for your hand to guide all decisions made by judges, advocates, CPS workers. Dear God, we pray boldly for those who are called to foster care, that their home be the last foster home for your precious child. And God, we pray for those not called, that together, through the gifts you've given each of us, intentional and unique, we work together as one body to selflessly meet needs, to love others wildly, and to build your kingdom in your name and for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, unto me. And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, Rachel Lovett, Kristen Kelly, Miles of Grace Realty, Empower Fitness, Lubel Cruz Gaelic, Sandra Perez, and Pamela Anthony Cutright. Email us your questions at sinnersaintsister at gmail.com. Keep in touch on Facebook at Allison M. Sullivan and on Instagram and Twitter at Allison M. Sully. And be sure to catch the mini episode for extras.